Welcome to the David McQueen Show, a weekly podcast where through insights and interviews, I explore what good leadership looks like. My main aim is to keep the podcast long enough to cover the subject, but short enough to create interest. Oh, and without those annoying adverts. So sit back and enjoy this episode of the David McQueen Show. Apparently I'm too formal in my podcast. I sound way too posh and I need to have a bit more of my personality. Well, according to my wife anyway. So for Madeline, my good lady, I'm going to bring more, a bit more of my personality into this, whatever that means. So I'm going to try and be a bit more like David McQueen is when he's not trying to be formal. Anyway, on to episode four of this podcast. What do you as an individual value the most? And what are the top values that you have that you will never compromise on, that you will always hold dear to? And and what are those values that really center you, that make you who you are? I want to kind of explore this on this week's episode. I want to talk a bit about value-based leadership and why I am so passionate about it, whether it's my speaking, goes to the heart of the coaching that I do around um, leadership development and even when I am doing my presentation skills for leaders I'm very very passionate about value-based leadership so I want to talk about it in this episode um, but I want to start off by talking about one of my favorite talks which uh, there's lots of talks in there but which is the uh, TED talk by Benjamin Zander and it's called the transformative power of classical music and in this uh, TED talk Benjamin talks about his passion as a conductor and how he really wants to get people into classical music. Now, I'm a real fan of classical music. I love it. And so when I was watching this video, it really kind of resonated with me as to why he was so passionate about it. But also, I can really understand why he wanted people to understand the rhythm and the cadence of classical music and how it aligns to all other forms of of popular music. And there was one part of the speech that Benjamin made that really, really resonated with me. He says this, he said, I had an amazing experience. I was 45 years old and I'd been conducting for 20 years and then I suddenly had a realization. The conductor of an orchestra doesn't actually make a sound. He says, my picture appears on the front of the CD, but the conductor doesn't make a sound. He depends for his power on his ability to make other people powerful and that changed everything for me it was totally life-changing people in my orchestra said ben what happened and that's what happened i realized that my job was to awaken the possibility in other people and of course i wanted to know whether i was doing that how do you find out you look at their eyes and if their eyes are shining you know you're doing it you could light up a whole village with this guy's eyes and I remember that part of the speech and it really, uh, really, really resonated to me. That I love TED Talks anyway, but that one really resonated with me. And not only because I'm a big fan of, of music, but just the point of being able to recognize that often as a leader, you don't even have to make a lot of noise. You don't have to be that outgoing person that's making, you know, having all the PR and or internally in the meeting be the person going around shouting and people are afraid to talk to you. It's about being able to make other people powerful. And given last episode when I was talking about charismatic leadership and, and the fact that sometimes people 
think you have to be out there and charismatic and always winning people's hearts in order to get the job as a leader done. This was a really good antidote or really good uh, opposite way of looking at leadership rather than being that effervescent bubbly person out there all the time how can you empower people by just being silent and I remember sitting down after having watched this TED talk and making notes about the role of the conductor as it relates to organizational leadership so picture this a conductor stands at the center of the stage he stands in front of the orchestra and depending on how big it is, it could be the, the string section, the percussion, uh, the, the, um, the woodwind or the wind section. You can have vocalists, you can have a choir, but that conductor stands there right in the middle. How that orchestra sounds depends on that actual conductor. So the conductor stands bang center in the middle of the, sta in the, middle of the stage or in the middle of the auditorium, as it were. And there she is in front of her orchestra, which is equivalent to her team. And behind her, and sometimes around her, is the audience, who are the customers, who are the stakeholders in your organisation. And it's her job, the conductor, to make sure that the orchestra does what it has to do, and it does it right, to make the right music without making a sound and sometimes as the conductor she might be looking at individuals to make sure that they come in at the right time there might be individuals who might have just not been able to make the right noise but looking at that conductor and looking at facial expressions and inflections you understand where that conductor wants the orchestra to go without her making a sound and I thought that was incredibly powerful and in his TED talk Ben talked about people depending on him to make others powerful. And this is an amazing responsibility a lot of leaders seem to miss out on. In the quest to be all powerful and unquestionable, many leaders rely on just being charismatic and forceful and inspirational. And as a result, they end up taking away the power from those who they lead. And that can't make sense. Now, I know I have gone and I've worked with schools where there are teachers who are absolutely afraid of the head they sometimes refer to them as sir i've heard in schools where teachers will refer to other senior peoples by their last name um or if they want a title they you know they might be referring to them by that specific title rather than you know just being on on a friendly basis and the, and the reason being is because that individual is so caught up with power they don't want other people to feel empowered. I know of individuals in organizations that I've worked with who don't speak up in meetings because they're afraid of being sh shut, um, shut down. Um, whether that is on the basis of their superiority, whether they feel they're inferior because of their gender, their orientation, their race, or whatever. And for me, that doesn't make sense. If you are in an organization and you are trying to make people get to a specific place and your role is to take the organization on a journey and being able to make them see that vision and understand that you are the person to follow, why should they feel disempowered? And we know we have many examples of organizations where people were disempowered in spite of the values they held dear. I mentioned a couple of organizations that I've worked with and, and it has been a real challenge having to go in and say, but hold on a minute, is this real? 
Is this what you want to do? Is this the kind of leadership that you want to have? And yes, you know what? I know I've pissed off a couple of people on the way in, in doing that journey, but I make no apologies for being able to challenge that leadership. If it's something or having that challenge, if it, if it makes the organization really think about where they're going and making sure that all who are on the team feel part and parcel of the team rather than feeling disempowered. And we have many examples in the wider world. Take Enron, for example. On their wall, their values were integrity, communication, respect, and excellence. And in spite of all those values, we know that Enron didn't really live up to those things, such as integrity and respect and excellence, especially when it came to the way that they treated their clients and their customers. Because we know that in spite of all those values that they had upon their wall and they were displaying so that others could come and see it, the company crashed. Let me give you another one. Arthur Anderson, a top five accounting firm at the time, they got embroiled in the same issue. You may imagine what the values that they had were quite similar, but they were responsible for auditing Enron and they were found guilty to be colluding with them. I think at one point they realized that at Arthur, en Arthur Anderson, they were shredding documents from Enron, a top five accounting and auditing firm, shredding the documents so that they wouldn't get implicated. How can you go out there being a firm of integrity if this is what you do? And as a result, even though they had these strong values as a, as a company, what was a company employing 85,000 people worldwide is now something like a 200-person company fighting lawsuits, not only around Enron, but a number of really bad audits that they did for other clients as well. The point for me is this. It is one thing to talk about values, but it's a totally different thing to live, to live it. And a value system has to be supported by a culture that feels empowered, empowered to ask questions, empowered to challenge, empowered to lead without being micromanaged, empowered to push back when those values are being trampled on and when the organization is playing out of tune. Recently, I was reading some stuff about um, whistleblowing and you know, in in the in America, there have been a number over the years. There have been a number of people like um, Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden and others, and, and done the same thing here in the UK uh, around the time of the Iraq War, where individuals have blown the whistle on what they believed were improper and incorrect um, leadership styles in their organisations, and and they blew the whistle, and it really makes me think that there it should have it's got to a real bad point if you're in an organization and you're doing things so wrong that you can't speak out about it that you have to be able to step outside at risk to yourself and your family now i you know obviously i mentioned the case of chelsea manning and edward snowden obviously edward snowden ran out of the country um chelsea manning was just um, recently released from prison but the fact is, is that you should be in a position where your organization allows you to speak freely. Of course, there are going to be issues around secrecy and nobody's perfect. Some people are going to be threatened by it. But what kind of leadership or value system do you have if people can't speak freely about the fact that they don't agree with what it is that you're doing? And it's so important for those of us who are listening to this, that if we do posit or position ourselves as leaders, that we make other people around us feel empowered. We shouldn't be afraid of saying 
what it is that we have to say. Now, earlier this year, I had the privilege of going to Calgary in Canada and working for an investment bank called Moore. I was running a presentation skills program for many of the team out there, and I, I went out there for a week. It was absolutely cold, minus 21 degrees, and I realized that my genetic disposition, despite what you've seen on Cool Runnings, my genetic disposition is not made for the cold. But anyway, when I went out there, I was running this presentation skills program, and what impressed me most was not just the fact that they had these really good values, but the culture in the company reflected those values. Now, to give you a bit of background, Moore is an investment management firm, and it was founded in 1974 by a guy called Charles Moore. And from the get-go, the company wanted to focus on the best interests of its clients, and the vision was always to do the right thing. Always doing the right thing. And working with the team there, it was evident how this theme ran through their company. The philosophy of putting their client first is not just about words, but it's also about consistent action. I saw it in their sales approach. They just don't do the hard sales. Even when I was trying to train them and, and work with them, one of the things I realized was that even my style of being able to have, um, uh, what should I say, the, the language that is used in, in the sales pattern, these guys were determined that what they wanted to do was make sure what they were selling was for the best interest of the client rather than thinking about what kind of, uh, I don't know, commission they could earn. Their customer service model, it also was about doing the right thing. And, and it reflected in the huge growth of assets under management over 43 years of this company and their client retention rate, which is something over like something about 80 odd percent, 90 percent. And that speaks this into being that it's more than words. It's not just about talking about integrity, but it really is about being able to live that as well. And I'm sure there are other incredible examples that people can think of of companies and their cultures that they would really like to to um, imitate. But more really stood out for me. And it is something that I share whenever I go to speak that I really, really admire this company. Company's slogan is this, be boring, make money. And I love that. I love the way when I went onto their website, when I went into uh, and saw their materials when I was there, be boring, make money. And, and that uh, focus is centered on a disciplined but bottom-up approach to serving clients' needs. Rather than chasing fads and trying to hard sell their products, their investment approach is a collaborative effect that puts not only the clients at the center of well-being, but their staff as well. And the company's growth and reputation made it a living, breathing example, for me exactly, of leading from the center. And whilst I went there on the premise to coach and provide advanced presentation skills to this team, I left there benefiting from observing great leadership in action. And that for me is the point. When you are leading from the center, when you have got that sense of value, which then leads into uh, or reflects in your purpose and your ethos, that kind of stuff comes out in your vision and your mission. And it's really embedded in the kind of culture that you have as well. Unfortunately, there are a lot of organizations that do talk a lot about values. Uh, and I mentioned a couple before. I mentioned Enron and I mentioned Arthur Anderson, but we can think of so many others like, I don't know, the Bernie Madoff companies. And we can think of uh, a number of organizations and banks that suffered as a result of the subprime mortgages when they sold um, items through and um, products through to customers who couldn't afford it, but they just wanted to be able to make money. And there are so many other examples of huge companies that we can think of that went to the wall because instead of being able to um, live up to what they said they were going to do, 
what they did is they went for the fast and shortcut route rather than being honest with themselves. And we can also apply that same thing to individual um, values because the reality is, is whatever organization we work in, we are all individuals who make up that organization. And if we are talking about things like integrity and honesty and reliability and openness, are we really living up to those values day by day? And it's not that we have to be perfect, but it's recognizing that if we do have a set of values, what is it that we are not willing to compromise on? I share this story all the time where I say, you know, I, I will not work with a tobacco company. Um, I will not work with a gambling company. I will not work with an arms company. And, and, and I won't work with porn companies. And whilst those organizations by all means have got some incredible, you know, you think of uh, things like tobacco companies and arms companies, those guys have got incredible balance sheets. And it's very easy to be able to go in there and talk about the same principles that I have. And I know there are a lot of um, other speakers and presenters who will work for such clients who will disagree with my moral stance, as it were, about not working for those organizations. But for me, that's my stance. I just won't work for them and I won't compromise on it. I share the story many times where um, when I was running an IT company many years ago and it went to the wall, I had an opportunity to go and do some work for a porn company. I could have provided some network support. It would put our family financially back on track a lot quicker than we would have wanted to before, but I turned it down because it just wasn't for me. It went against the value system I had of the kind of clients that I would work for. And whilst, yes, I could have gone out there and got a hell of a lot of money, the principle for me was to be able to stick to my guns and to hold on to my values because those are the things that are really important to me. And whilst, you know, as an organization, you need money to grow, I also believe in abundance. And I believe if you stick to your values and stick to what it is that you believe in, those opportunities will come to you or you will go out there looking to find out exactly where they are. So what about you? Are you working for an organization that leads from the center? Is there a match between the values and the culture of the organization that you work? And if not, why not? Have you ever questioned it? Have you ever had a conversation with those who you are working with? And would you ever go and challenge it? And what about your own personal values? Do they match the organization that you work for? And more importantly, especially for those, whether you are going into positions of leadership or not, do you feel empowered in the role that you do? Do you feel that you are given the autonomy? Do you feel that you are given the responsibility to be able to do the work that you have been hired for, essentially, as a grown-up, as an adult, being able to go and work for this organization? Do you feel that? And, and I want to come full circle and say I truly love that metaphor of leading like a conductor. Understanding that the values and the culture must align in order to drive your vision of your organization forward. And leading from the center is one of my key speeches. I love it. It's one that I have delivered to banks and media companies so far this year and, and I'll be traveling. I'll be going to share it in Romania. I'm going to be in Australia later this year and, and in other parts around the UK. And, and what I love about this speech is that it's a reminder to myself and my audience that talk is cheap but action is priceless. Talk is cheap, but action is priceless. And that values-based leadership can only work when we are empowered and we can truly empower others as well. It really is about making that music work. I'm a big fan of music and I love all those music metaphors, but that talk really, really resonated with me. And I just wanted to share that with you in today's episode. So thank you for listening to this week's episode. And I hope some of the points made resonated with you. And, and after a lot of pressure from my marketing coach, I have to say the podcast is not only available on SoundCloud, but it can also be found 
on iTunes now as well. So please, whatever platform you are on, go ahead and share if you really enjoyed this um, series or today's episode. Share and comment. You can rate, I believe, on any one of those platforms, whether it's SoundCloud or iTunes. Please leave me a comment. Please share with other people so that they can um, listen to it as well. And I appreciate your time to listen and any feedback you have. And I look forward to having you tune in to the next episode of The David McQueen Show. 